0: What's good? It's the drive. No Josh Graham today. Much like it was yesterday. Darren Vaught in his stead. Happy to be with you. Happy to be hanging out with my guy, Robert Walsh, for another few hours today. Very excited about that. Uh, Some outrageous fun ahead. But as a precursor to all of that, there's a lot. Ahead, In the next few hours of this sports radio program, we're going to talk about things both important and silly. We tried to do our best at balancing those as we saw fit yesterday. So sometimes, yes, we'll talk about racial inequalities because it's real, it's current, and we think it's important not to look away. But we'll also talk some college football. As we've got Roddy Jones of ESPN and the ACC Network joining us a little bit later this hour. We're going to talk some hoops with my guy, Coach Tubby Smith, the national championship winning head coach, formerly of the University of Kentucky. Now with the High Point University men's basketball team at his alma mater right here in the triad of North Carolina. And sometimes, Robert, we might even talk about or speculate what each state's favorite fast food chain is
1: these these could not be more <laughs> off, could they? I've seen we talked about this earlier. I've seen so many of these with disparaging comments about each one like I there's when they're n- all different. Yeah, like
0: they're- the, when I when you showed me the one that we'll we'll, we'll get into momentarily, uh, I hadn't seen that specific version, but you've all seen these.'re they're, they're United States maps and each state is labeled as supposedly the favorite restaurant or, or chain restaurant or fast food spot of the citizens in those respective states. And the one caught all kinds of social media attention because Mod Pizza is something not many people are familiar with. We have a couple in the triangle of North Carolina where I'm usually based, uh, so I do know of Mod Pizza and have eaten at Mod Pizza. I think LeBron James, no, 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 that's, uh, what's the other pizza sort of pizza on the go place that he's invested in blaze is that what it's called uh a I similar no model idea. i'll I, check it out i think it's blaze pizza that lebron james is involved in mod is something similar in like half the united states were labeled as mod pizza people on one of those maps not the case with the one you showed me but as is trending on twitter people take issue
1: with sabaro being listed as New York's favorite. I love getting a classic New York slice. Every time I come up here, I got to get one. Every time. Of
0: course, referring to the uh, Michael Scott in the office. Makes a trip to New York City. Raves to everyone. He's going to get a classic New York slice and ends up going to a chain. Subaro being that chain. No way. No way, Subaro. Is the favorite food of the people of New York because it's fake New York food, which is Italian. Like, New York food is good Italian in most cases. Uh, I saw Whataburger listed as the state of Texas. That checks out for sure. For me, most on the West Coast had In N Out Burger listed
1: aside from California, except California, which was like Denny's. <laughs> Gotta get me a Grand Slam, man. They love it over there. Denny's. How long has it been since you've eaten at a Denny's? Better than that, how long has it been since you've eaten at a Shoney's? Are there even Shoney's still? There are,
0: yes, because I know
1: for a fact
0: in my, my home, Virginia, in the mountains, I was just recently a few weeks ago up there to see my parents, and in Withville, Virginia, across from our favorite Chinese place, is a Shoney's, a real, live, living, breathing, <laughs> operating Shoney's. And I cannot tell you the last time I was in that restaurant.
1: I, I can say this pretty confidently because I don't think Shonies were ever advertised with us. I have never and will never dine inside that <laughs> establishment. It just seems like the gas station of breakfast, you know? I would but rather- also,
0: like, Shoney's very, very big on buffets. Oh, which I, are no idea. Which are going to die because of COVID-19. I, like, Golden Corral has already, I think officially made public that they're done or going to be at some point. Did I see that? It might've been a joke. I'm sorry. No, 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 I, I don't chat. like, I don't like saying inaccurate things. It might've been a joke that I saw. Don't
1: kill golden corral. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hashtag RIP golden corral. We're going to get it started. And it's just going to be this, this overwhelming social media outcry <laughs> for, for division two and division three sports college sports teams all says, over because that's where every team goes right if you're you're on a, a high school team it's, it's just bang for your buck you're feeding athletes you stop at golden corral
1: uh what, says, what'd you find out about golden Corral? It, it says here that they're gonna reopen uh locally but without the buffet like do you know what you would order from a golden corral like would you <laughs> be like yeah can i get some of that microwavable pizza that you guys put out Maybe slice me off some prime rib. Am I going to have to pay for this? Like, is it a flat rate deal, or can I get a full plateful? What do you get at Golden Corral? I usually go for the chicken, like the Asian chicken. That's always pretty good. I also haven't eaten there in nine years, it feels like. I don't, I don't know. I don't eat anything at Golden Corral. Right? Like, maybe I think the grossest... Well, I mean, I don't eat anything at Golden Corral
0: in that... I eat everything at Golden Corral. You get the little sampling. You <laughs> yeah. got to go all the way around. Now, granted, it's been forever. Buffets kind of skis me out anyway. I'm not keen on buffets and haven't been for a while. So it sort of pleases me to see that become less popular in the outbreak of all of this uh, with, with the coronavirus and stuff. Now, I don't know how Golden Corral is going to survive as a business, but we should probably, <laughs> Robert... Get to something (laughs) sports-oriented at some point. Don't
1: let me steer this ship, Darren, because we'll talk about (laughs) restaurants all day.
0: He came in five minutes before we were to air and showed me this map and got me heated. (laughs) In other news, the NFL is being taken to task by its own stars. And we talked at length about Drew Brees yesterday. A video was released by several players. The Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas, I believe, is the one that opens this up. Deshaun Watson is in there. DeAndre Hopkins. Patrick Peterson. Uh, Zeke Elliott of the Cowboys is in here as well. A lot of prominent names and faces around the National Football League. Taking the NFL to task to do something. And, And I want our listeners to hear it first, Robert, before we surmise what, what the players might be wanting out of this or they what they might trying to be get what they might be trying to get out of this. I said that right the first time. There you That's go. My, We're not live. We, we can do Woo. this in
1: post. No big deal. Whoo
0: all right. Um so so let's play the clip. This is a collection of NFL players. Michael Thomas, the Saints wide receiver who catches all of his passes from Drew Brees, who's been all over the news this week, begins it, and others connect the dots and finish it
1: it's been 10 days since george floyd was brutally
2: murdered how many times do we need to ask you to listen to your plans what will it take for one of us to be murdered by police brutality what if i was george floyd
3: if i was george floyd what if i was george floyd if, if, I, was george george floyd. if I, I was george floyd if i, I was
2: george floyd. floyd if i was george floyd i am george floyd i am, am Brianna taylor i am amad i am, Eric Eric Garner. Garner. I, am I am tamir rice i am trayvon
4: martin i am Walter Scott. I am Michael Brown. I am Samuel Du Bois. I I am Frank Smart. I'm Philip White. I am Jordan Baker. We will not be silenced. We assert
2: our right to peacefully protest. It shouldn't take this long to admit. So, on behalf of the National
0: Football League,
2: this is what we, the players, would like to hear you state. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people.
4: We, the National, national Football League, League, admit wrong and silencing our players from peacefully
3: protesting. We, the National, national Football League. League, believe black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black, black lives, matter. lives matter.
2: Black lives matter.
0: I mean, if you've seen it, powerful stuff.
1: Very touching.
0: Explicitly saying the names of black citizens victimized Murdered at the hands of police and police brutality, and ex- explicitly said there within, they want to hear the NFL own up to these things, the ideas that that systemic racism exists in the criminal justice system, and and otherwise. But, Robert, I, I wanted to, to sort of open up discussion about this because we've seen a lot of missteps, and then you, you walk it back with a public apology. And I think you and I, as allies to this movement, would agree that it's not quite enough. What have we seen with Drew Brees? Made his initial statements, in-stream it wasn't, A quote taken out of context in a written story. It was in a video interview with Yahoo Finance. When asked about these circumstances, immediately he went to, well, I don't ever like seeing people disrespect the flag or the country or its military. When that's not what this is about. And it's been said ad nauseum over and over and over again. So he issues the apology, which we talked about yesterday, lengthy written statement at his Instagram, at Drew Brees, saying a lot of the right things. A lot of the things that most fans want to see out of these statements that have flooded our timelines from their favorite teams, their favorite players, their favorite leagues. But it wasn't good enough. And part of me watched all of this unfold yesterday, even after we were off the air. And here comes Drew Brees with another apology at his Instagram. This time he's on video. And I just, I imagine what is going through Drew Brees' mind. Because all of the things he's ever had to say for this type of thing before. This type of of PR mess. In his life and in his career before, none of the things that usually work have worked. And to me, it's indicative that the community, the fans, allies of this movement, people who truly believe Black Lives Matter, have just had enough. We've seen enough of it. The non-statement, the apology for the non-statement. Which is fine, walk it back, but we know your true colors now. If your your first snap decision reaction, which is usually the most visceral, the most true, was to jump to the conclusion that those kneeling during the anthem hate America and meant disrespect of their country and its military through that. I mean the cat's out of the bag, Drew. Very much in the same way, the NFL for four years has dismissed and, even worse, stifled the expressions of its black athletes. So some defending the league or the Cowboys who put out a a video statement through Adam Schefter via Twitter just moments ago, actually, a, a nice video, again, saying a lot of the right things. Some in their defense will ask, well, what do you want from them? And I think that, to a certain extent, is a productive question. To a certain degree. Because there can be no kind of compromise otherwise. But is it okay to say, I don't know? And,
1: and I just... Better? We want better? I think it's 100% okay to say, I don't know. I think that's an admittance that, that you want to change. That you want to know what we should we do? How should we act? I would prefer to see that than everybody acting blindly and just putting out things just to put it out. Like, the Cowboys are acting like, oh, we're we're so behind this movement, but Jerry Jones, when the kneeling was happening, was saying, oh, we'll cut anybody who kneels. Nobody that kneels will play on my team. You weren't for it then, but now you're for it now. Just admit you were wrong, and we can move forward and start this discussion that needs to happen. Right, and, and also
0: of note, in the Cowboys video, no Jerry Jones. Yeah. Would have been nice to see him on screen. But I th- and, and again, same to the same effect, we know where you were – three and four years ago Jerry so it's only going to do so much it's only going to do so much yeah but it would have been nice to see him in the video it would have been a nice touch for him to say something himself rather than have a team of creatives behind the scenes produce this nicely polished well-produced video yeah for this purpose for the purpose of a release and I hope, I, I hope that the past two days and, and here, here forth on this Friday edition of the show, so I'm going to try not to drag things too down, too down. but I, I just, I hope that we're conveying properly that all of this is, is kind of new, not the systemic racism, not the injustice toward black people, because that's been going on far too long. But this universal reaction to it is not necessarily nothing brand new because of the civil rights movement. We've seen this at various points in human existence before. But this is in a way that it's never been because we have things at our disposal like we've never had. Social media being the most prominent. Eyes on everyone at all time video cameras on our hips at all times so that when police brutality is happening, more often, not most often, but more often in 2020, it's being captured on video. And those that are offending are being held accountable. I think it's fair because I've heard it a lot over... The past, past three or four years, to be honest. It, it's it's not exclusive to the past week. I've heard, well, what did you want him to say? What did you want the team to say in their release that they issued? And I think it's fair. I think it's totally fair and justifiable to say, I don't know. The black community is, is justified in being upset with Drew Brees, even after two apologies. That's totally fair. It also doesn't mean that Drew didn't realize a horrible mistake and a horrible gap in his character, which needs to be corrected.
1: You're only wrong for as long as you choose to be. If you accept the truth, which I'm sure Drew's an intelligent man. He has a large heart. He cares about that city. He cares about his teammates. And I think he can see what he said and how it would be interpreted as incorrect, or maybe not even incorrect, just maybe out of touch. Maybe he can see that and then move in the right direction. He's a smart guy, you know? It was ignorant. Yeah, and we, said it, and we
0: said it yesterday. We don't
1: mean it as a pejorative. No. It's not meant negatively. That's why I'm glad you're here, because I have no clue what pejorative means. But <laughs> I agree with you. Ignorant
0: is misused and misinterpreted a lot of the times to mean stupid. Really, it's, it just means that you're missing information or a perspective that you can't possibly have in totality, right? I'm not a black man. I don't know what it's like to live as a black man or black woman for that matter. I'm not a police officer. That's a hard job already. It is infinitesimally more difficult these past two weeks, and there just happen to be a lot of guys that are not handling it well. I think it's fair to not know what you want in these circumstances, and that therein lies the complicated nature of these conversations. It's easy. It's human rights. It's caring about another person because you're a person. But it's difficult. I get it. People are experiencing cognitive dissonance for the first time in their lives. There's a mental barrier, and it's easier to turn away than to break through. We're going to talk sports. Real, legit, actual sports, I promise, including on the other side. Did you know Luke Keekley just retired, but the beloved Panther is still a member of the team? We'll explain next.
3: Josh Graham loves to talk sports. He also loves writing sports poetry, but he can't think of a rhyme for pocket. Oh, I get it. You're on the drive with Josh Graham.
0: with you on the drive Darren Vaught in for Josh Graham Robert is just bringing it with the music this show whether or not I have anything to do with it it sounds great today so we move our attention to college football which as I mentioned before the break might be the next major sport that actually begins on time all of this is is still TBD, but anytime I'm in for Josh, and able to talk college football things, I like to bring in my good friend Roddy Jones of ESPN and the ACC Network. He's at Roddy Jones two zero, the number twenty on Twitter. Roddy, good to hear from you, man. How are you?
4: Uh, I'm great, Darren. It's good to hear from you too. Since uh, you know we're now on the cusp of actual. Sports, it's starting to uh, to feel like uh there's stuff to talk about that isn't just rehashing <laughs> or, or speculation so uh, it's good to talk to you too well
0: i i, I always love getting your perspective as a former player in your case for georgia tech football uh the mike norvell florida state marvin wilson stuff came across our radar yesterday and we talked about it at length um with norvell Reportedly saying that he had spoken to every player of his team individually, and then you know being called out on that by one of his stars, Marvin Wilson. What were your initial thoughts? What did you make of that entirety of the situation?
4: Well, I, I, I want to talk about it from beginning to end, from from the statement to Marvin Wilson calling him out to now. I, I just want to say that I, I love the way it progressed, and I think that it should, that this is how these things should happen. When a coach makes a statement, whether it be hyperbole or whether it be trying to embellish, um, that is not true to what the players felt. I have no problem with a player especially a player at Florida state, you know, think about what Florida state players have gone through. They're on their third head coach in four years. The guy that recruited Marvin Wilson, basically abandoned them to go to Texas A&M. The guy who was brought in to bring that program back to prominence, got fired after 21 games. And now you've got this other guy who then all of a sudden in the middle of one of the most tense times that we've ever seen in our history in terms of racial, um, racial interactions, says that, hey, I talk to every player, I've got no problem with Marvin Wilson coming out and saying, hey, that's complete baloney. Now, I commend Mike Norvell for then responding and saying, hey, Marvin's right. I said every player because I reached out to every player. But I realize now that saying every player, that I've had conversations with every player, means I actually have to talk to every player. And that is an important distinction, especially at a time when there's so many emotions especially for black players about what's going on in the world. Those conversations are so important. And it looks like they had that conversation because of what Marvin Wilson then said. So that's the type of thing that needs to happen. And that is the most constructive way that that can happen. So I give a lot of credit to Marvin Wilson. I give credit to Mike Norvell for the way he responded. And I hope that it it builds a trust between the two sides that where those conversations can be had with or without football, like those conversations need to be had with inside within every program. So I hope that Florida State is one of those places where players feel like coaches just care enough to have those conversations with them no matter what.
0: Uh, that's really good perspective. I also feel similarly. I, I like the way that it's played out because if anything has 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 come out of the past couple of weeks or needs to come out of the past couple of weeks, it's it's putting the emphasis on, having difficult conversations, whether it involves racial injustices or this one in particular, kind of a a tangential conversation around that. Um, What do you think the role is of a head coach in these moments outside of football? To what degree would you consider it a requirement to step outside the bounds of the sport that you're coaching and and talk to your student-athletes about things like the police brutality protests and racial injustices that, that are coming to the forefront.
4: Well, first off, let me say that I empathize with these head coaches and assistant coaches because this is not part of the job description explicitly. Like these guys took the job of being a coach because they love football and they love impacting the young men who they are in charge of's lives. So to have to deal with something like this, I understand how you can feel woefully underprepared and inequipped to deal with something like this. That being said, the ground has shifted, and coaches have to, absolutely have to make sure their guys, first and foremost, are doing okay. So that empathy part of it is so important. You have to have conversations, have your assistant coaches have conversations with every player to see how they're digesting, how they're doing through all of this because they might have experiences that they have to get off their chest. They may need someone to listen to. They may need uh, someone to vent to. They may have actual issues that they're going through that they need to articulate to someone who can do it, who can do something about it. So in this time, head coaches have to, absolutely have to step off the football field and first and foremost, make sure these guys are okay. Secondly, yes, if you're trying to educate and better these men's lives, you have to provide them uh, opportunities to use their platform to affect change in terms of the, the uh, all of it. You know, Georgia Tech, uh, obviously it's a program that I'm close to, recently said that they're taking November 3rd. All of their sports, none of their sports are going to have mandatory activities on November 3rd so that athletes can go out and vote. Stuff like that is teaching athletes how to use their voice in an effective and responsible manner. And now that doesn't go far enough. Like I expect Georgia tech now to help these guys register to vote, to, to figure out, to help them figure out where they can vote to help them request absentee ballots if they're not going to be able to get back there to vote, but it's a good step. So when you're talking about types of things that coaches can do little steps like that are really important. If they want to go further and engage the community, engage in in trying to rectify uh, the social injustices that black people have felt in this country since the very beginning i i will I applaud, I commend, and I recommend that they do that because ultimately you want a scenario where you're putting out people that are going to impact the world in a positive way. That ultimately, you know aside from championships, that's what at the end of the day, uh, you're going to be able to go into recruits' homes and say uh, and, and tell them in terms of what kind of men you're putting out, and what kind of men is going to leave your program. So, so I think it's incredibly important, and I think it's something that they should do.
0: That's all incredibly well said by Roddy Jones of the ACC Network at Roddy Jones20, at Roddy Jones20 on Twitter. Um, I I know you were you were swelling with pride when news of the Georgia Tech November 3rd. Election Day stuff came out. It's created this sort of seismic activity throughout college sports. As as hour by hour, we're seeing other athletic programs uh, indicating that they're going to do much of the same. So uh, just know that I knew you would be proud. You were one of the first people I thought of when I saw it come across my timeline. Um, Well, since we're going to have actual football to talk about soon, hopefully with or without fans. Uh, possibly a shortened season, but I don't think that's on anybody's radar just quite yet. Um, I've seen some odds that have Clemson as the far and away favorite to win the ACC again. I I don't think that surprises any of us. Uh, Who would be next on that second tier at this point from your your vantage point? And Roddy, I'm curious to know, does something like this circumstance of of coronavirus – And then, obviously, it's sort of the the wait-and-see nature of how the season is going to progress and when guys are going to be allowed on campuses. Uh, In addition to sort of painting the picture of the landscape of the ACC as you see it coming into the season, does anyone stand to gain or lose anything because of the tricky circumstances with which all teams are entering this season?
4: Well, I think it benefits those teams that are um, doing this with stability that did not necessarily make changes at the coordinator positions, that didn't make changes at the quarterback position. So the one that stands out to me, of the two that stand out to me, are North Carolina and Louisville uh, because of the stability that they've got on both sides of the ball at the coordinator spots, because of the stability that they've got at quarterback, because of the amount that they've got coming back on the offensive side of the football. When you talk about elite units in the league, Clemson's going to be elite. Uh, there'll be some defenses that are going to be elite. Pittsburgh jumps out. Um, that it, they're obviously going to be really good. But, but I think the two most elite non-Clemson units have a chance to be the Louisville offense and the North Carolina offense. And because of that the upside with those two being that next school uh, is the greatest of them all. And and I I think it's a shame that Louisville and North Carolina don't play each other this year because it could be a race to 1,000 for who (laughs) wins that game just because of how explosive that those teams are offensively. Uh, But those two teams are the ones that I am excited about. I think Miami obviously uh, has a chance to be good, but with the coordinator change in the offensive side of the football, with Rhett Lashley coming in, they've got a transfer quarterback and De'Ara King coming in. There's a lot uh, of people that have to get used to Miami. Uh, through a time where you're not able to be around Miami now I know that they're obviously back now but 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 there's a lot to catch up on Virginia Tech's got a new coordinator on defense with Justin Hamilton Uh, so when you have these schools that are are making these changes and having to do that through a coronavirus especially and being away from from uh, being away from each other and not getting a full time of spring practice I think it makes it more difficult and I think it benefits the teams that have that stability.
0: He's incredibly versatile, as he was as a Georgia Tech running back. All really, really good stuff, Roddy. It's good to hear your voice. Cannot wait for the season to get here and for things to to get to be a little bit more normal. I know your colleagues and our friends at ACC Network, uh, Wes and, and Mark, are going to come back on Monday with Packer and Durham as a daily program. So we're, we're slowly getting there, my man. I can't wait to see it.
4: I uh, know I can't either. I'm ready. I'm uh, ready to get to something that feels like <laughs> feels like it did last year. But uh, good to talk to you too, Derek.
0: All right, that's Roddy Jones. Be well, man. Roddy Jones twenty at Roddy Jones twenty on Twitter. We're gonna play baseball for dummies next, and Robert, I think we've got some bells and whistles for it this time around. All Unlike yesterday, the bells
1: and whistles.
0: All the bells and whistles. Baseball for dummies jose canseco is tweeting which you know means it's going to be interesting baseball for dummies is on the other side this is the drive
3: and now and now now, on with the show showtime you're on the drive with josh graham on sports hub triad
0: up welcome back to the drive no josh graham you do have darren vaught though robert walsh that deserves a shout out that was quick-handed
1: i try man people don't get how tough it is to really slide over here and hit these buttons that quick like i
0: mean it's one thing to run the show hit a break on time largely dependent on me shutting up you know, playing music at the beginning of a segment, making sure spots are played on time as many times as promised, according <laughs> to contracts and whatnot. But you have all of that going on and still detected that I was going to say something that I, was worth a, a, a children's classroom of yays.
1: Well, let me put it this way. You, you said Josh Graham is not here. <laughs> I went to hit the yay for that, and okay. then you said, I'm in, and I was like, yeah, I can still hit the kids. All right.
0: No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Good instincts on your part either way. Uh, we tried this for the first time yesterday, and I think it's explained in all the bells and whistles that we have assigned to it as of today anyway, so I won't explain it, and I'll just say, Robert, hit the music.
3: Robert doesn't know diddly-squad about baseball. Strike one. When Robert hears strikeout, he thinks all about his failed past relationships. Strike two. When Robert hears breaking ball, he winces. Uh-oh. Gas. Get the point. Strike three, you're out. While everyone else is swinging for the fences, Robert is simply trying to get on base.
1: Swing. Better, 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 Swing.
3: This is Baseball for Dummies.
1: So basically, I'm a moron when it comes to this sort of stuff, and I'd just like to enrich my baseball knowledge. Yesterday, I think you did a great job of that. You explained to me R.A. Dickey. He was a, a knuckleballer.
0: Which you learned what a knuckleball was yesterday as well. Yeah, yeah, you throw it with your knuckles, not the claw technique. Right, it's a slow dancing pitch with no
1: rotation. You get it. Uh, you told me about a balk, which is when a pitcher uh, makes an initial move to try to fake out a, a base runner. And then the, that results in the the advancement of any base runner. In By play. one base each, yep. There and, you go. Uh, some other stuff. But uh, today I have a whole nother list of things I would like you to explain to me because I, I kind of like this I'm kind of coming around on baseball I might be a fan of this if this continues but uh I, I wanted to start off pretty simple uh, what's the deal with bat flips I, I get every <laughs> people are either upset that people do them or they were cool either way it's just you throwing a bat in my opinion so yeah. what's the
0: deal well you know at its, at its genesis it would be like asking the same of spiking a football Right? What's okay. the deal with spiking a football? It's just a—it's an emotional reaction after a positive moment. Gotcha. So a bat flip is meant to emphasize a home run, and you know it—it—it it, it adds a little insult to injury if you're the pitcher who gives it up because a bat flip, most of the time, at least in Major League Baseball, amongst United States baseball players, includes a home run that you know is going out to the point that you're not immediately running toward first on contact. You're oh, so watching you,
1: it. So you've got a little a little swagger. You're like, yeah, yeah dragging absolutely. it out.
0: So, you know, pitchers don't like this, obviously, because they're, they are just, just got
1: their face knocked off. Exactly.
0: They just got a pitch whacked well over the fence if someone's able to pause and admire it as they do with a bat flip. So it's just, you know, it's a celebration. Move. It's it's nothing nothing dissimilar to spiking a football after scoring a touchdown, I don't think.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, I might have to cut this list short or running on the on the clock <laughs> here, but I always hear about the unwritten rules of baseball.
0: All right, we got four minutes until I gotta give an ID. So <laughs> I, just, I don't what are, know that what are some that's of the
1: unwritten work? rules of baseball.
0: Well, I think they're
1: a bunch of baloney.
0: You Quite think frank, that they are? I I hate the notion that there are unwritten rules in baseball. Like, like why not write them out? Like, well, they're because they're not written, yeah. Robert. Like, you can't unwrite them because they're unwritten. Okay, that's the that's the bizarre thing and the thing that people take off the rails entirely. So, say your pitcher gets shown up with a bat flip and a, a longer than usual pause in the batter's box by the 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 hitter who hit a home run. There are unwritten rules that would constitute throwing up and in on that guy his next time up so as to to scare him. You might not hit him, but so as to brush him off of the plate and just let him know that you as the pitcher don't are, appreciate are in control uh, okay. and you don't appreciate it. Gotcha. They're dumb. A lot of the times the unwritten rules are referenced when someone just – You know, doesn't keep their cool and reacts emotionally to something, which you know I'm never really in favor of to the degree of of negatively, right? Like, you shouldn't get upset that another player is excited that he did something in the positive. Like, if a player hits a home run off of you, Of course he has the right to get excited, and it has nothing to do with you
1: as the pitcher. Yeah, if you don't like it, don't throw right down the middle. There you You go. Throw him a different pitch or something. Be better. Yeah. Uh, I think we got time for one more. Uh, Would you rather tell me why people hate the Yankees or tell me who is the best mascot in baseball?
0: I think I can wrap up both of these rather quickly. Okay. People don't like the Yankees for multiple reasons. I think first and foremost, they win. Yeah, the winning. They
1: like the Patriots, the Lakers. Just
0: like any dynasty, it's going to have its haters, right? They also hate them because in baseball, it's different than a lot of pro sports and most major league sports in that there's not a salary cap. Now that puts a large gap in between a large market team like the Yankees, one of the longest-standing teams in Major League Baseball, in the biggest city in the world.
1: and Compared to, like, the Rockies. The Colorado
0: Rockies, a relatively new team as of the the 90s in Denver, Colorado. Or the Oakland Athletics, you know, infamous for their, or famous however you want to, to view it, for their uh cost cutting measures and sometimes having s- success despite that so it's partially because they get to just throw around a lot of money in certain cases yeah nobody likes the money back and they win a lot and you combine those two things and people will associate one with the other you win a lot because you get to spend a lot of money unlike other franchises boom you have a true hatred of a major league baseball team tell me about this mascot the mascots the the most popular, the most famous would probably be someone like the Philly fanatic. The big green fluffy thing. Yeah. That shakes
3: Phillies his belly. Had. My shakes favorite is, mascot. Move. Exactly.
0: The San Diego chicken. You might not be as familiar I'm with not. because the Padres are are less prominent than they have been in years past. But that's probably the second most Is it famous. an
1: actual chicken or like a, a costumed person? Costumed person. Okay.
0: Um, Or like Wally the Green Monster, named for the big wall in left field, the big green monster at Fenway Park for the Red Sox. Those would be the more famous. My favorite dinger for the Colorado Rockies is a purple triceratops.
1: I'm going to have to check this out. We're close to the ID, but that is baseball for dummies. I'm going to check out (laughs) dinger, and you're going to tell them what stations we're on, right? This
0: is the drive. You're tuned in on the Sports Hub Triad 93.7 in Greensboro, 104.9 in High Point, 101.5 in Winston-Salem, and in Burlington, 104.5. All of those FM signals. Again, this is the drive. This is The Drive. I'm Darren, not Josh. Good riddance.
4: <laughs> just kidding. He's back Monday.
0: Robert Walsh responsible for the hearty laugh there. It's just been fun. We're like 75, 80 minutes into day two of my quick little residency here at our Kernersville studio. Uh... Big news breaking during the break in that Michael Jordan and the Jordan brand coming through in the clutch again, right? I think that's appropriate. Releasing a statement regarding a $100 million donation to several organizations dedicated to ensuring racial equality, social justice, and greater access to education. And this is set to be donated over the next 10 years, as announced just like 20 minutes ago by the Jordan brand in a joint statement with, well, Jordan and Jordan, MJ, the individual, as well as the brand. Um, We like to do things that rhyme, particularly with my name, Darren. Hi, in case you don't know me. Uh... Sometimes it's Sharon on Thursdays for only a segment or two or three. Every now and then I'm in studio now for an hour or so. Sometimes it is staring as Robert just honestly just I think enjoys looking at me.
1: I do. I can't look away. I can't. Your eyes are mesmerizing. I, I get lost in them, too. I people. played old blue eyes there, and I, I, I don't <laughs> even know who who I would rather look at into their eyes. I think it's you, honestly.
0: My eyes aren't blue.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes,
0: because I like pop punk, and they like interrupting me, it's blaring. I couldn't hit that yesterday. blarin it's blaring as I tried to say there other times. And this one's become quite fun as we've done it more and more often. We play comparing with Darren. So Robert, I think you are going to take the reins here and we're going to do some comparing.
1: Yeah. I usually uh, to play this game. I'll usually think of, of something that's happened recently that would make me think of someone. And then I think about what I would like you to compare them to. This list is nothing like that. <laughs> this is just random things that popped in my head. Okay. <laughs> uh so I'll start off with what I think to be an easy one. Uh I would like you to compare The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, uh, to Derek Jeter.
0: <laughs> an easy one? I they kind of look like they could be brothers.
1: Very similar this, well, skin tone. No,
0: as a matter of fact, this was an SNL skit. It was um it's an old SNL skit. And it's entitled, if I'm not mistaken, Yankee Wives or Baseball Wives. It's when Jeter was on SNL. So maybe this is a little bit of a comparison, both with some comedic acting skills, because Jeter, surprisingly, was really good in this. He was dressed up as a woman in the stands of Yankee Stadium with some of the others, the regular SNL actresses. And they're going through the lineup for the Yankees and objectifying them. Is what it is. Like, yeah. they're talking, oh, Tino Martinez, what a hunk. Uh, you know, and Jeter's getting in on it as if he's one of, of, the, of their wives. For sure. So then he comes up, or Jeter comes up in the conversation, and all the other women are like, oh, you know who the cute one is? Jeter. Derek Jeter, for sure. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not big into Derek Jeter. He looks like if The Rock had sex with a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. I think that's enough. That's enough to, to interlock the two and complete that phase of comparing.
1: Yeah, you got it. You got it. Uh, next, I'm going to hit baseball a lot here because I like hearing your explanations. I like learning more about baseball. So I would like you to compare Pete Rose to Rose from the Titanic. <laughs> My hatred I can't for-
0: imagine Rose signs a lot of autographs. Probably not. But then again, I don't know that Pete has ever like posed naked
1: i would pay for that picture though like that would be a <laughs> great mantel piece just like him painted on this couch <laughs> very tastefully you know that
0: sounds like something jose canseco would have hanging in his oh, his my. foyer
1: Th- this dude I-, I know i know you've seen the tweet right
0: yeah well he he claims he's gonna run for president i retweeted him last night because i've n- n- now i gotta pull
1: it up you mentioned it ah <sighs> That's jose
0: canseco on twitter
1: a great twitter follow by the way if you don't you should definitely he's check out him there
0: out. just fair warning he's out there which is why this one was so significant i retweeted he said quote the volcano has erupted our political system is a total failure our criminal justice system has always been a total failure total run-on no no punctuation <laughs> throughout that and it was so significant to me because if jose canseco was saying it we have come into a time where the most obvious thing is also the most absurd, outrageous, and far-fetched <laughs> thing. Because you should see some of the other stuff Jose Canseco tweets.
1: Oh, yeah, it's like aliens. Like, aliens, please come down here and rescue me. Like, I've been in spaceships. I've harvested this goat farm for you
0: as as a sacrifice. Yeah, what? For my taking, like, he, bizarre stuff. So when it's that explicitly on point, we know we're in trouble. I would with love Jose to see. we're uh, getting way off point, but Ken worth it. I feel like this is the the point of comparison. <laughs> this is the point. This
1: uh, is. I would point. love to see a VH1 house where it's just like all athletes where their like fame got to their head. So it's like OJ, Jose Canseco, other athletes that I can't think of that are crazy right now. Maybe throw uh, God. Gary Busey, throw Gary Busey in there. (laughs) Like, just some certifiable, like, crazy people. Busey and Canseco have hung out. I'm certain of it. They have to have. Anyway, I'll get back to the comparing. That's my fault. I got too excited. Uh, I would like you to compare Snape from Harry Potter, the potions uh, professor, also a longtime Slytherin helper-outer, to Drew Brees. All right, help me out with the character dynamic
0: here. i've got an idea but i'm not i'm not way into harry potter i've seen the movies but
1: i can't i know professor snape snape is someone who looks a little menacing someone who is a little dark but as the 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 story progresses you see that he had he had intentions that were not always known he he was trying to help out harry he was a friend with harry's mother Uh, So a character that's not as bad as was originally perceived, and maybe I've already compared enough right there for you. (laughs) There was good in him. And eventually... That's what you were going for. Yeah, he he sacrifices himself. All right,
0: hopefully, hopefully, by the end of this, this, what we've experienced with Drew Brees this week, hopefully he helps out Harry in the end. Hopefully. And he's got, underneath it all, a good heart, which would be the wrench in the gears with the Snape story because you don't see before the bad stuff yeah and before the bad stuff Drew Brees by all accounts superior guy for sure so hopefully the good outweighs the bad and he can right the wrong and we can move on to a happy ending to that
1: that particular Harry Potter movie we have ventured into the the land of i don't know how the hell i came up with these okay all right, all right. this one is uh i would like you to compare the original host of this program josh graham I would original all like right or, uh, og regular the yeah, regular re, yeah maybe that word right the founding host yeah. <laughs> i don't even know if he's the founder <laughs> either way i would like you to compare josh graham to Beaumont jones probably one of the coolest people on the planet the Opposite. And then Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: man. Um, I've never eaten with Bomani Jones, but I would have to imagine he's quieter when eating a meal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Please
0: stop. (laughs) Josh is a friend, and I love him. Kind of an animal
1: he gets kind after of it. an animal he he is eating for sustenance and he also wants to let anyone else know that that's his food <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh
1: never share an app with josh graham that's i'll leave it there i would share an app with bomani probably i mean and like i said one of the coolest dudes on the planet agree i mean but josh has a pair of jordans now so i think he's just <laughs> so a little he bit thinks cooler. that
0: that's a closer comparison than it should
1: be I, maybe maybe <laughs> Who i'm Anyway, uh, this last one, I don't know how you're going to do this, dude, but if anybody can do it, it's going to be you. I would like you to compare Dancing with the Stars and the Home Run Derby.
0: Oh, this one's easy. This one's easy. Let's hear it. So the thing with the Home Run Derby is that it is – what makes it different from, like, a dunk contest in the NBA is that it's the same thing over and over again. Home runs largely do not vary in style. They can. You know, you can have a bomb, something that just ekes its way over the fence. But a home run's a home run. It's a swing, ball goes over the fence. Pretty basic, fundamentally. With the dunk contest, yeah, you have those basics. But there's style in in between, right? So the common viewer, I think dancing's probably the same thing. Right? You're smiling, you're moving, I don't know, man. you're you stepping. You got like
1: salsa, mambo. No, but to the common viewer, um, I
0: understand that those like, are different dances. Oh, he's I don't getting know dipped. what the hell the differences are.
1: <laughs> you okay? Didn't, you didn't go to Cotillion as a child? No. I I was forced to go to Cotillion, and let me tell you, I Why can, does that shock me? I Who knows. It didn't help. <laughs> it didn't help a lot. The only thing it helped me with is I can tell the difference between a seafood and salad fork. And I can foxtrot and do what I call the box dance, which is just moving your feet in a square. Damn, you are way more sophisticated than I. Pinkies up, dude.
0: Pinkies up. Good for you. Good for you. All right, well, anyways, that's that's my thing. Dancing with the Stars, actually, given my attempt at a comparison and an analogy there, probably a better aligned show to a dunk contest because... You know, you're moving. There's, Maybe I should have done variance that. variance in between. You should have done that instead. That's, but you know what? Uh, but we tried. We tried. We yeah. And that's all you that's, can ask. That's what, that's what we're about here. And that's Is that comparing. it? That's all yeah. you got? That's, that's comparing. Uh, that's comparing with Darren. That's comparing. So that's something I like to do. As opposed to what we're going to do on the other side. Which I just bemoan and hate <laughs> and despise. But Josh does it at 430 every Friday. So I guess we're going to do a top 10 list. And we're going to base it around a topical issue or point in the sports world. This time that Luke Keekley has been hired by the Panthers as a pro scout. So on the other side, as much as I don't want to do it, my top 10 scouts on the drive.
3: Want to become a real sports fan? Leave it right here. It
1: turns everyone it touches into raging psychotics.
3: All things sports. Well, sometimes. On the drive with Josh Graham
0: darren vaught back with you on the drive we're gonna have Tubby smith with us here shortly High Point University men's basketball coach, one of nine active Division I men's basketball coaches to have won a national championship, and he's the only one as of last season not at the school that he won the championship at. It's been a lot of places, including Minnesota, which was heavy on his mind. I know earlier this week, and uh, I think we're we're catching him. Right off of the golf course, Uh, Coach Smith, welcome to The Drive. Good to talk to you again. I know we spoke a little bit earlier, but that was before you had teed off. How'd you hit it?
2: (laughs) Well, you know, too many times. (laughs) This this is a game where you don't want to – you might want to score more points, but not in this this game.
0: No. Uh, It's it's
2: a very humbling game. We talked about that, and it humbled me again today.
0: Yeah, and and Coach, you know me as a guy who grew up playing – Baseball is my my predominant sport. I, I think it and golf, uh, and there are elements of basketball. There's a conversation to be had there. Uh, two of the more humbling because, you know, most of the time, even if you're playing pretty well, most of the time it, you are, quote, failing, and I'm using my air quotes. Um yes.
2: So well you know, I play I play with a guy today, well, he's one of the all time great baseball players here at High Point University, Otis Foster.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: He, and Otis can really play. You know, he's got great touch. You know, we were talking about some of the great pitchers that he played. You know, he played uh with the Boston Red Sox organization and him and Jim Rice, he had him on the phone. Uh, the last week we were talking to him on the phone, but but Otis could hit that ball, man. I remember watching him hit a ball all the way up on the banks here, where Miller Center is. Yeah, he was one of the greatest, one of the, probably greatest home run hitter to ever play here.
0: No I, doubt. No doubt. I know. Uh, just uh, earlier this week, I was on a golf course with uh, Lavelle Moton, who I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm sure you know, but I'm not sure yeah. I'm sure if you guys know each other uh, super well. He was. He was my masher. We got teamed up and we're playing. Uh, best ball and man he could just let it rip not not necessarily something I expected he came up talking a really small game but
3: he (laughs) bombed
0: it man he was he's pretty good
2: but most baseball players can hit the ball I'm sure you can you're one of those type of players hockey players and baseball players man, they they crush
0: it Um, well glad to hear that you're of good spirits about your high stroke game today Uh, I want to talk to you about hoops, a little bit of life, a little bit of everything, because uh, we've got a lot going on, despite sports still being in this bit of a holding pattern. Um, First and foremost, the past week has been really heavy, and we've talked about it and and tried to do a good job of being transparent on this program uh, about the protests centered around the the killings of, of George Floyd and others. And your job description and coaching crossed my mind because I just, I'm just i curious your philosophy when it comes to coaching and mentoring young black men and their allies or teammates during times like this, is, is this something that you've addressed and, and you've got the added layer of complication with the coronavirus so you're not around uh, your guys currently or, or haven't been for the past sure. week? Have you, have you touched base with everybody just to kind of check in and see how everyone's doing?
2: Oh yes, well we've been having a uh, a Zoom for the last five weeks. So, and this is something that we address on a regular basis in in our practice before practice. Some of the things we talk about. In fact, a few of the players were saying on the Zoom calls said, Coach, you know, we appreciate you, you know you you talk about this not a lot, but one things I talk about is is um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household with us. A mom and a dad. My dad was ex-military, wounded World War Two veteran, and um, he survived. But he he told us about just the um, and you know that was before you know the, the army wasn't even integrated then. It was still a segregated army in nineteen forty three. Huh. Forty forty. he went in in forty one, forty two, and he was wounded in forty three, and came home. But uh, I bring that up because we always talk. Uh, and just just the other day, I was helping one of the players. You know, Brian Randleman, was coming to pick up his stuff from his room, uh, his his dorm room, just yesterday. And we were on a Zoom call, so he came by the office and he was on the Zoom with all the other players. Um, and when we left there, even though I, and I, you know we we talked about these these incidents and the, I mean this tragedy, the the death of George Floyd and and Ahmad Aubrey and Brianna Taylor, Taylor, you know, and so I've talked to them on a regular basis everywhere I've been because I've been the first African-American, the first black coach at a few schools. So over the years, whether it was uh, Georgia, Kentucky, and, you, and and at Texas Tech. So what I'm saying is that you're going to have some, uh, there are going to be people that are going to disagree with you and and, and have racial, um, there, there, there are a lot of people that are bigots and that are, that are, that are, uh, that way, unfortunately, but I always tell them treat people with respect no matter what. And, and, and again, again, I was, this book, we were cleaning out his, his room and we picked the book. It was actually, um, Eric Coleman's door was open. So I, I went in his room and there was a book in there, um, on home alive, eleven must ways to make it home alive. That awesome. his aunt had given him when he came to school here. At wow. the beginning of the year. But but and and was how had a handle yourself when you're stopped by police. I mean this is just part of our culture. I'm talking about the African American culture. It's something that you're taught at a young age and how you react and how you respond. So I've always told our players, look I've I've been stopped, and you know, but if you show respect and 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 then you know so they have bad days too, everyone, I just like I come to practice, and I, I can have a bad day. I just don't want to take it out on the players, and that's and so I have to be very careful and conscious of that so we we talk about just when you're told to do something, do it I mean I was. And I equate it to being on the basketball court. I said, "What do you guys? If I tell you to run the sprint, or I tell you to get back on defense, I tell you to box out, and you don't do it, and it's going to be repercussions. There are going to mm-hmm. be there going to be consequences."
0: Coach, you know, I'm, it, I'm curious um, because these guys, and you mentioned Eric Coleman specifically. He just wrapped up his his freshman year, so his man. first year of college basketball and has has you know reading assigned to him for for lack of a better word of that caliber uh you started as a student athlete at high point in the late sixties yep. what to what degree can you communicate maybe some of the things you were warned about then I mean I would hope that that circumstances are severely different for them as they were for you back then
2: well you number one you're you're always concerned about your environment, and, I, and by that, your environment, knowing where you are, understanding you know, the company. Lots of times, the company you keep. Uh, so you have to be very... Uh, growing up, when I came here in 1969, you know, there was Joe Colbert, who still comes to the games, and we're still great friends, and myself. And then we had Calvin Stee. Who was on campus? So it was only three African American men on campus at the time, and I was again ready to leave after a few months, to be honest with you. <laughs> but my dad, you know, said, "You got to stay there, son. You you made a commitment, and and it's the best thing that happened to me. I met my wife here. But but I go back. I remember the Black Panthers coming on campus to recruit me huh. and, and students to to be a part of their movement because. You know in Greensboro, that's where the first set in took place during the civil rights movement in Greensboro. a lot of the students and so you had West of Salem state and all predominantly black historically black institutions nearby so I actually spent time you know being a part of that community as well and when 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 there were events or social events or or parties that may be going on, that's pretty much where.
4: You understand
2: what I mean? So I, I kind of associate. Although I have great friends here, I still have great friends here. I, I was just on the phone with John Kirkman before you called. Huh. You know, he's a lawyer in Greensboro. I was yeah. just on the phone. Phil Butler, we play golf together a week. So these are guys that were on the basketball team when I got here at Pete Collins. But you asked me that question, so I'm telling you how, how um, and athletics can really bridge a lot of you know, some of those gaps. But it's obviously. The racial tension that we, when you witness what we witnessed on that video, everyone, I think everyone was angry and, and mad. You know, you got to be, and, you, and you're and you sad that something for his family. Uh, but but, I'm sharing with you what happened when, and I had that talk with my college coach. I remember um, Coach Bob Vaughn sitting me down because he was from the Maryland area. Mm-hmm. He said, now, Tubby, these are the some of the things you have to be concerned about. Uh, you're away from home. You're in the South." I said, "Okay, well, and, you know, there were things that we hadn't been exposed to before. You know, I I grew up in a in a segregated environment where there were white or, or negro or colored water fountains and bathrooms, and I went not all." or black school, George Washington Carver, before uh, before integration took place. And then I ended up going to Great Mills High School my my sophomore year. But a watershed moment for me that made a difference in my life, and you've heard me say this sometimes. In, in, in 1966, uh, the first college game I watched on TV was the Texas-Western-Kentucky game that was played at Cole Field House at the University of Maryland.
0: Yep, I recall this story. Yep,
2: and at that time we were so so. I'm I'm telling you how because we were part of the the transition team during integration when school we were bused from George Washington Carver. So I think a lot of students, I mean a lot of young people today, are witnessing these events, and 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 there is this there is this. Under you know this you know bias that that that's been here and and so i not think we'll we just need to educate people uh we have to do our best to um to have conversations like we're having now, you know listen to um, to others and 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 try to over overcome some of the the real challenges. That that we have as African Americans, blacks, minorities have in this country. Uh, I've been blessed because you know I've, I've been in a profession that that I've been able to excel in. I love teaching. I love coaching. And um, and you'll you'll do whatever it takes to 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 make it work. But we have to be careful because history can repeat itself. Yeah. If we're not careful, and that's what we're seeing now. Because I was. I was exposed to the riots in 1968. I remember leaving Great Mills High School, and it, we we, they, we had just finished. They actually shut the school down because of this because of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. And I remember walking through Lexington Park, Maryland, wanting to throw a brick, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wanting to <laughs> cause some destruction. Yeah, you, you wanted to lash out because you, but uh, we didn't. A group of young men that were we were heading home after practice, or after school was over, uh, and it was an eerie feeling because I'd never seen the the city shut down, you know, the 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 uh, the town shut down like that, and and I was what, I had to be what, 16, 17 years old. Uh,
0: I appreciate you going down those roads with us, coach, because uh, I've been in this chair for a couple of days filling in, and and. The way we approached it yesterday is like we know this is an escape. Sports radio, sports in general, for a lot of people. But quite frankly, these are these conversations are, are too important to, to neglect and to not have. Yeah. So I appreciate you uh, exploring those things. Let's lighten it up with with one one topic well, in the sports well, world that we've discussed. Uh, unless you've got something else that that you want to no, say. No, no.
2: I've said you know we all are infuriated, as I said before, and, and frustrated. Um, uh, with the injustices and in inequities that we see in everyday life, we just have to be uh conscious and, and work diligently and work within uh, you know, work with our communities. Uh, I work through the university, and that's why I made the statement I made mm-hmm. uh to let people know my thoughts and feelings about what's happening.
0: Yeah, no, okay, was, I'm sorry. That's no, you're, you're good. You're good, man. Uh, that was at Coach Tubby Smith, the the statement that he just referenced. That's where you can find him on Twitter as well. Uh, we discussed the NBA's resumption at at Disney Campus a little bit earlier in the show, Tubby, and it it came to you came to mind because you know you have experience coaching a Team USA Olympic team, and though the the dynamic is a little bit different, the NBA teams being all in the same place on campus at Disney seems a little Olympic village-ish uh, to me, it, it,
2: right? That it, it does. Because, you know, when you, when you the know, believe it or not, though, we really didn't stay in the Olympic village. When I was with that dream team in 2000, we had a, we stayed in a hotel and I remember, I remember Tommy Lasorda. The, the great manager because yeah. he was a big basketball fan loved Kentucky basketball
0: but was heading up and USA he, baseball at the time yep yeah
2: he was heading up a USA basketball baseball at the time he said why are you guys staying in the hotels and we're staying over in the village because the base, so he he stayed in the hotel with us uh, but it was uh, but, but I'm saying I went to the village yeah. and you're right this is seeing what's happening with the NBA but if anyone can host it and pull it off you know, Disney World could do it. You know, and and, yeah. and they could do it because uh, we've been there every year. We've gone there. This may be the first summer. Well, they moved the AAU tournaments from from um, from Worldwide Sports um, yeah. Disneyland a, a few years ago. But but I love going there. And they have a number of different courts. They might have eight or twelve courts. You know, so so teams can be practicing. They might have maybe more than that. They might have about fourteen or fifteen courts that that guys can that they can host and play different games and then you've got the milk house which is where they will play their yeah. games. I think they I think it's good that the NBA is is just trying to um, and I'm glad that the players are willing to uh, to play as well.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and I know it. There are plenty of complicated layers that that the league has to figure out. Each individual player, they got to well, we have to do the like, same thing here. Yeah, and, exactly. You know,
2: we're trying, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with our players in July because they return, just like the football players have returned to mo- most major colleges. I guess in the next this week, yeah, and um, or or have some have already been to uh, return to to colleges. So. Uh, how how would our practices look or how would our workouts look during the month of July. And they're only here for four weeks, or so three or four weeks. So um, it, it should be interesting to see how this goes. This is, uh, you know, as they said, this is unprecedented times, man. <laughs> Nothing like this has ever happened
0: in my lifetime. Which is crazy, man. You've you've seen a, a lot of basketball seasons begin. So to think that it's yeah. it's something that you have never quite handled like this before is uh is unbelievable. Well, I'm I'm out of time, Coach. Again, okay. I th- Thank you so much for coming on the show. I look forward to seeing you soon. Hopefully, at some thanks. point, I'll be on campus uh, with regularity, and maybe we can get your podcast started. I could do this Man, for an hour at a time. Ball, dude,
2: first. Yeah. Well, let's let's hit some balls before that then, too. Okay?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, we we can do that. you just can... got to give me some strokes, okay? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 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 I'm happy to do that, Coach. Hey, um, thanks
2: for what you guys are doing, and this this is something that needs to be addressed. You know, as I said, you know, racism is really a, you know, we've got the cure for it, It but we can, we can cure this problem. And it's something that we, all of us working together, we'll get through it. Okay.
0: We will. We will coach. I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. All right.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: That's Tubby Smith of high point universities at coach Tubby Smith on Twitter. Fantastic stuff. Let's get to break. We've still got, it's a rhinestone cowboy Friday. Robert, on the other side, what do you have for us when we take it to the house shortly?
1: Uh, Maybe don't tell kids to get off your lawn just yet.
0: Nice. That's next as we take it to the house.